Welcome to Hashtag Jazz, the family-friendly Grow a f***ing pair Podcast exclusively about Utah jazz basketball I hate this history class From two of the most Emotionally unstable Guys in the business And now, here are your hosts Jason Walker and Trey Sanders Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in, listening in, clicking, whatever it is that the young hipster people do these days. Um, things have just been absolutely insane. Uh, these, <laughs> this, this last week, really, like, it's just been, like, I, I don't know how to describe this week. Like, I mean, I was all up in sorts yesterday because I was watching the Super Bowl and my team was in the Super Bowl and I about you know, died out you, of stress. Oh, I thought you were going to say you about fell asleep. No, I could never have fallen asleep just because of how nervous I was. If I wasn't a fan of either team, I probably would have fallen asleep. I think I managed to fall asleep during the Rams-Saints game, and so, and that was actually a fairly exciting game. But, huh. yeah. If I'm well, not... I was, I was asleep, that's for sure. <laughs> you and everybody else. Uh, except Patriots fans and Rams fans who were all having a you know collective like panic attack or like stress attack really, just it's it's wonderful to have a team win the Super Bowl, but it is the worst experience to think like that they might lose the Super Bowl. Like that's I don't know, but we're not here to talk about the Super Bowl. We're here to talk about jazz basketball, which even if you exclude all the rest of that stuff happening in the rest of the sports realm, this has been an insane week. Um, as I mentioned to you, Trey, before we started recording, like the, the trade deadline rumors, like meter is like 11 out of 10 right now. It's just blowing off the charts. Like there's rumors everywhere. You know, Mike Conley, Otto Porter, we talked about last week. Nikola Miritich is in there. Tobias Harris is in there. Although the Harris is a lot less likely. Um, but still, like, it, it's hard for me to to fathom all these different rumors and the likelihood that a lot of them are going forward because just all the reports are that the Jazz are, like, heavily involved in the trade deadline. So it's it's been crazy on my end, or at least my thoughts. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm far too busy to pay attention to some of these things. But, yeah, I mean, I keep seeing... There's all this talk about um, Conley and like the pe- the people that they're putting in with the package and stuff like that. I I don't know. I I mean it. The end of the day, I, I mean Conley's gonna help. He is, but I still don't know if he's the answer. Yeah, and see, we we had a, a long talk about this last week, and I agree that Conley just doesn't feel like a long term piece for me, but. You know, a- after that loss to Houston, I mean, and just, I think you might feel this way as well. That was just embarrassing. And I, I watched the whole thing and it was just, just absolutely awful. Uh, the complete ineptitude of the Jazz, mostly on offense. I wasn't so angered about the defense. Because, yeah, it wasn't that bad. It's the Houston Rockets. It's James Harden. He's going to do what he's going to do. But nobody on the Jazz had a good offensive game. Everyone was terrible. 
And it's just just inexplicable how so many people can have such a bad game offensively. And so, like, if Mike Conley is the answer to make this team at least decent for a couple of years, I think the Jazz can work around Conley's contract, maybe bring in some other pieces. But it's just, let's, let's, let's mix something up. Whatever we have, it's not working. It works good in spurts. It works well against the teams that are definitely worse than us, but against the teams that have good talent, it falls short. So at, at yeah. this point, at this point, any change is good with me. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I, I was driving home. Uh, well, yeah, I was driving back up from a uh, family dinner and I was listening to it. I was like, okay, we've got, you know, things were good. We were hitting shots. I mean, I missed the Donovan Mitchell pass. I had to look at the highlight on that one. Um, but like Jay Crowder hit his first three threes and never made another one. Um, like, yeah, I mean, it's terrible. You know, you know, you're having a bad offensive night when Kyle Corver has not made a, a three until the very end of the game. Like, if you if the Houston Rockets are not good defensively, but when you make them look like they're good defensively, that's when you know that that, that was just a sucky, terrible night on offense. Well, they were making some players who had no business looking good look good. I think it was uh, Kenneth Fareed looked like a beast down there. It looked like his old <laughs> you know days in Denver where they gave him that ginormous contract. Yeah, what is that? I don't. <laughs> I don't uh... Yeah, it was, it was bad. Yeah, no, and I I, I kind of think like you know, um, a lot of that kind of had to do like yes, there were trade talks this time last year, but I think that there might be something like something's rocking their core, and I think that they may know more than they they're putting on, and I think that may have played into their performance on that night. I don't really know, but I mean, Ricky was awful. I mean, we could. He has awful games here and there, but I think that there was no drive whatsoever in him at all. And Donovan Mitchell, he was trying everything he could, almost to a fault, to get us back into the game. Um, so yeah, I mean, there, it was just right on down the line, like you said, the whole team just was terrible. Yeah, just, and I think those trade rumors did have maybe a little bit to do with it. Maybe it just speaks to. To how far along they are and that you know it affected them because it didn't affect them last year really i mean yeah there was you know and Derek favors has you know been on the trade block since i don't know what 2015 or so mm-hmm. at, least, at least that's what it feels like um but yeah like everyone managing to have a bad game everyone just feels distracted or just lackadaisical everywhere on the court and yeah, Donovan Mitchell was giving it his all, but yeah, he uh, he's not Superman, and he's prone to a, a really inefficient night, which he had. Um, he, had he was 7 of 24. He managed to get to the free throw line a lot, but yeah, and and the 9 assists, so he continues to be a decent passer. Um, yeah, it's just... I, I think that, you know, a bit of a changing of the guard will we'll do this team some good. Um... Just because, yeah, you know, like I said, what we've got going on right now is is good, and and I want to emphasize that because I don't want to be one of these person that says our team sucks, they're never going anywhere. This is a good team. They're 30 and 24. Had a brutal schedule early. Have had a handful of injury problems. 
Uh, well, they're still in injury problems because Dante Exum's still out. You know, they, they haven't had a point guard for half the year. So, like, this is a decent and good team that will make the playoffs. But it's, again, it's that next step. It's being able to beat the Houston Rockets on the, on the back end of a back-to-back. It's those things that good those things that good teams do that the Jazz can't currently do because they're just not good enough. They don't have the talent. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, you got to get you, it's one thing to go to the the second round twice in you know, twice in a row. It's another to get there and not win the second round the third time. And I think, yeah, I mean, bringing Conley in, you're definitely going to have someone who's going to take a lot of pressure off of Donovan Mitchell and he can help create for himself. And I think, yeah, for and for Rubio, he wasn't even in the trade talks last season. So, of course, you know, he he was relishing in the time that he had, and now that all of a sudden he's in the trade talks, of course it's going to mess with him. He's very, um, I wouldn't say sensitive, but he's um, hes a very empathetic person, and I think that he feeds off of that for sure. I think it was someone saying that Rubio is sensitive, but kind of in a good way. Um, yeah, well, he's just hes just got this heart of gold, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, and see, and I think I've said this before, and I've I've said this other places, so I can't keep track of where I've said this, but, you know, the two players who are most likely to be traded on this team are Ricky Rubio and Derek Favors, and they're the two people that I would feel the absolute worst about trading. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, you say Ricky, Rubio's got a heart of gold, like they were hanging out, him and Donovan Mitchell and probably half the rest of the team were hanging out at somebody's place for the Super Bowl, and they did like a little halftime Instagram where Rubio's playing a little guitar and singing and whatnot. And like the team loves him, the fans love him, and you know the fans love Derek Favors, even though he's not quite the same personality as Rubio. It's just that you know, Derek Favors has been bringing his lunch pail to work as a blue collar man for eight years now, mm-hmm. and he, he's never complained. You know the worst he's done is taking jabs at the trade rumors, but like. Yeah, you, you feel bad, and and maybe it is affecting him. I don't know if it's affecting Favors, um, but Favors did only get 16 minutes, uh, even though he had he was perfect from the field, four points, five blocks, and a handful of rebounds. But I don't know. And and as far as Mike Conley, I'm I'm not backing away from my thing where I don't think Mike Conley's putting the Jazz over the top. But again. Switching something up is is what the Jazz could use. Sure, and a healthy Conley. I mean, we talked about this in the previous episode. A healthy Conley is a very good player. He's a very good player, and he's going to alleviate a lot of uh, scoring load for not just Donovan, but for a lot of people. And he knows how to run an offense. I mean, there's no doubt about that. He's a very, very smart player, and he knows how to use his body, get what he needs, and he gets to the line a lot. So, I mean... The long term, I don't, I don't like it. But as far as immediate um, gratification, absolutely, I'll take it. Yeah, it, it is a bit short sighted, but again, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. That I would take it. And you know, a couple observations. I went and I watched part of a Memphis game, and so I've got about fifteen minutes of Mike Conley game time under my belt as far as film. So I am now the uh, certified expert on Mike Conley. But what I've noticed is that. Uh, one, he can actually play off-ball, which is something that surprised me, is he wasn't really an on-ball point guard. He wasn't the guy bringing the ball up all the time, so it it is interesting. Now, I don't know if he's really good at scoring when playing in the off-ball position, 
because again I've only seen about 15 minutes so there's not exactly any opportunities but I think if he can play off ball that's even better and even if he's more of an on ball guy we've we've talked about this before having a good scoring guy like a 20 point per game guy the Jazz haven't had that at point guard since Darren Williams and and we've said this that Quinn Snyder's system really seems to work better when the point guard can score. And I've I've drawn these comparisons before, but mm. when Ricky Rubio was on fire last year and setting like career highs in every shooting and every scoring thing he's ever done, I mean the the Jazz were flying. We all we all know about last season. And mm. when he has horrible games, the Jazz are kind of horrible offensively. So I think it would it would really kickstart the Jazz offense in a way that most people really aren't anticipating. Uh, which, which is why at this point I'm I'm okay with it. Let's get something going. Um, again, long term, he's going to drop off, which will negate most of the things we'll, that he brings because he's just going to get old and not as good anymore. Yeah, he'd he'd be a huge boost to this team in ways I, I you know people they say we're going to lose. Rubio and Derek Favors, you know, what about our bench and all that? It's like, look, this team is spectacular when it has a scoring point guard. You don't realize how good that is. So, let's give it a whirl. Yeah, let's, yeah. I mean, let's let's see what happens. The only thing, the uh, the biggest thing, the the biggest two faults with this is that one, he's he's a t- his contract is huge, huge amount of money. We either gonna owe him for the next two years, or three, technically. Um, plus he's not going to be that piece that you can just kind of give away later on because you basically have to just let that go. You just have to let him write out his contract and then just let him retire if that's what the option is. Cause you can't just be like, well, we got Mike Conley. This is the one and only time that anybody can do this to get rid of Mike Conley. See what I've kind of managed to reckon myself with this situation. Cause I don't, I don't really disagree with anything you're saying. It's just that. You know, you write out Mike Conley because you're going to get two years of what I would consider prime or really close to prime Mike Conley. He's going to be like 33 when he finishes contract, which is like right on that drop-off area. Maybe he can, you know, stretch it a little more. depends on how he manages it. You you, you never know. Um, You never really know with any player. But he'll get two years. It'll be pretty much worth the money. Yes, he'll be overpaid, but... He's producing, he's contributing at an enormous level, uh, both just by his stats and also just by his impact and the way he works in the system. After those two years, the Jazz will have had, if things went smoothly, so there's a few ifs in this scenario, but if things go smoothly, the Jazz have just completed back-to-back 55-win seasons. And that is extremely attractive to free agents, because you look at, or at least like if you maybe trade for somebody... Then it looks nice. You think of Paul George. He stayed in Oklahoma City, you know, freaking Oklahoma City, because he knew he would win there. Uh, you think of other places. Stars will stay places these days if they know they're going to win. Sure, the big markets will attract them, but stars want to win. And so mm. stars see, let's let's see, Donovan Mitchell's, you know, rocking it out. Rudy Gobert's doing awesome. Mike Conley's there, but he's kind of getting old, so they're looking for another third star. And stars know that it'll work then maybe you move on from Mike Conley, or maybe you sign Mike Conley to a, a smaller contract because then all sides will be on the same page and realize Mike Conley's not worth that much. So you bring him back on a similar contract. 
or sorry, not a similar contract, a smaller contract. Like a veteran contract, Joe Johnson contract. Yeah. And then he's either a backup, depending on who you bring in, or maybe he's still a starter, and you're getting that not quite as good Mike Conley, but still 14 points a game, five assists, you know, slowly take him out to pasture, but still pretty good. Maybe bring in a, a good small forward, you know, power forward, you know, that kind of thing. So that's kind of how I'm reckoning myself with this, is that it can be a stepping stone to, you know, we're two years down the road, suddenly Donovan Mitchell's 25 or however old he'll be, Entering his physical prime, Rudy Gobert's still in his prime. He'll be like 28, 29. And then you really push that championship window by adding somebody once Mike Conley's contract goes out. And I think Donovan Mitchell's, his contract will be um, coming up pretty well. I think Rudy Gobert's contract will be coming up. And Donovan Mitchell will be somewhere in restricted free agency or somewhere around there at that point. So you'll be re-signing those two guys. And you can also bring in, you know convince Gobert to stay, convince Donovan Mitchell that he definitely wants to stay, and maybe convince somebody else to come in. So, like, that's that's the whole conspiracy, you know, red string on a wall type things that I'm putting together here that Mike Conley's not a long-term option, but he can definitely be one of those stepping stones to the... Uh, to, you know, a dynasty. Kind of like how Andre Iguodala was that way for the Warriors. Yeah. No. no. Yeah. No. You're right. Yeah. I. I am. Um, yeah. I'm interested to see what it, what uh, what will happen here because I mean Dennis Lindsay knows what he's doing. I'm I'm not doubting that. I mean he he's got one of the toughest jobs in basketball, and he hasn't really made any decisions that I haven't really liked to this point. I mean Kyle Korver was a great pickup. Um, signing you know Dante Exum and Derek Favors to those contracts. I think was kind of a part of his long-term plan. He just kind of wanted to see what he could do to get these guys like a mid to low level contract and see what he could use as kind of bait, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, I, I like it. I, I've come around to it a lot more over the past, you know, week. Um, so I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens. I mean, obviously I, I keep looking at my phone to like see if anything's happened yet. Even so. Yeah, yeah. I, ju- I just literally, while you were talking, went to Twitter, typed in Mike Conley, and started looking around. Like, is he trending? Did something happen? So like, yeah, because we're both on edge because we're taping this Monday evening, and I spent all of Monday today just waiting for a trade because all the circles that I'm running in and talking to and what I've seen on Twitter, I'm not exactly an insider here. I'm not going to pretend to be. I'm just a guy who's a fan. Um, but just everything that I've heard is that, you know, deal is practically imminent. Like the people I talked to, they were bought and sold that there would be a trade happening today. Guaranteed. It's just a matter of when actually a lot of them thought it was going to happen yesterday. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's really close. And and all the information I'm hearing is that basically Utah is kind of in a, a two team race with Detroit who is apparently thinking that they're going to be an Eastern Conference playoff, uh, an Eastern Conference playoff uh, contender, or at least playoff contender. Um, but uh, I don't know what are the what are the Pistons in like? I think they're just in the playoffs, aren't they? Oh, they're just out. They're in ninth. Heck, they're two games out of ninth or out of eighth. But anyway, it's it's 
you can't really control what other teams are trying to do. But, like, the Pistons, they're looking to trade uh, Reginald Jackson, or Reggie Jackson as he goes by, uh, and a Detroit first-round pick, which would be higher than Utah's for uh, obvious reasons. Um, and Utah's offer, I think... I don't know exactly what it's consisting of. Uh, it's Ricky Rubio, obviously, uh, probably a 2019 or 2021 first-round pick. I'm not sure. And then maybe some filler, Dante Exum, Grayson Allen, whoever, uh, just somebody. You might end up throwing Dante Exum because it might have to be um, a salary filler. I haven't tried to do a straight-up swap for Ricky Rubio and, and Mike Conley on the uh, – trade machine yet um i'm curious like do you think that detroit's offer has more merit than uh utah's with uh reginald and the first round pick no because memphis has the same mentality that the jazz do they want they're they're that grit and grind team they want to win um obviously the last two seasons have not been you know uh have not shown that that's the reason that they play but getting reggie jackson to go to memphis i think that would be such a loss for them i mean they want to improve their roster they don't want to make it worse i mean reggie jackson is he's awful i don't think he's good he had like a good uh he was a good bench filler when he was in oklahoma city but obviously they got rid of him because he was you know he wanted to go somewhere else. And Detroit, I mean, when's the last time Detroit really had a, a, a season where they were, you know, a winning season, I guess is what you call it. Uh, Detroit doesn't have, I don't know. I mean, they've got Blake Griffin. Who wants to play with Blake Griffin? I, nobody, I, as far as I know. <laughs> it's... Well, it's not so much about playing with them because it's, uh, you know, they're just trading with them. It's like, and Detroit being bad is to Memphis' advantage if they end up taking that first round pick. If, if they're in the bottom five, well, they'll probably just be in ninth the rest of the season. Especially if they, if they get Mike Conley, they might sink, sneak into that eighth spot uh, over the Heat or Charlotte or Brooklyn, depending on who six through eight falls out, or if any of them go on a you know a losing stretch, which happens, um, or you know maybe Mike Conley doesn't fit, whatever. Um, but it is really interesting because I think you know Reggie Jackson and Ricky Rubio present kind of two different playing styles because Reggie's more of a that dynamic scoring guard, except that Reggie Jackson averages like 14 points, and I don't think Ricky Rubio's that far behind. Um, I'm, hold on, I need to now look up Ricky Rubio's stats. Because I just looked up uh, Reggie Jackson's, and Jackson is shooting 40% from the field, 34% from three. So, like... I guess Ricky Rubio is scoring 12.9 per game, so he's one point per game behind, essentially. He shoots 40% overall, 32.5, so he's barely behind Reggie Jackson in scoring and efficiency, which is the thing Reggie Jackson does. And Ricky Rubio averages 6.1 assists, and in the past has shown the capability of averaging uh, 8 to 9 assists. Nearly, he's aver- He averaged like nearly 9 assists for 4 years. Mm-hmm. And maybe that, well, maybe you can operate a, a three-team deal and give uh, Ricky Rubio to Detroit. Because <laughs> he, he'd probably work well with uh, Blake Griffin. But 
I don't know. It, it's just going to depend on what the Grizzlies do because we can talk about how we think Ricky Rubio is better than Reggie Jackson or how uh, there's the cap relief that Ricky Rubio brings that I don't think uh, Reggie Jackson brings. Um, I don't know his contract. I'm about to try and find out. Uh, he's on two years, $17 million a year. So, you know, it's... Now, there's more cap relief from Mercury Rubio, but again, it's just what Memphis wants. So all that the Jazz and the Pistons, as you know, a matter of fact, can do is, what do the Grizzlies want? And if the Grizzlies want Reggie Jackson and the better draft pick out of Detroit, they'll get that. And the Jazz will have to just, you know, what might have been. And that's kind of the frustrating thing is that now that I've managed to hype myself up to the um, idea of Mike Conley. It still might not happen because, you know, there's a bidding war. And, you know, there's only so much the Jazz are willing to give up. And if the Grizzlies choose somebody else, then it's just tough luck. So. Yeah. Yeah, but, I mean, that also tells me, too, that Dennis Lindsay doesn't like what he's seeing coming up for free agency in terms of where he can fill, like, some voids or whichever. So he wants to buy high now, see what he can get out of it. I mean, I, I think that the pieces he'll try to offer to Memphis for what, you know, just to get Conley is going to be worth it. We might even see Tabo be a part of that deal. I'm not entirely sure. I'm just not convinced that um, we, I mean, I don't know where I was going with that. Um, I'm just not convinced that um, I'm going to have to rescind my statement there <laughs> well i'll go ahead and finish it i'm not convinced that we're gonna get anybody in free agency yeah um, yeah and i i know i've i've heard of a lot of people they'll they'll bring stuff up on uh on twitter on facebook or whatever and they'll talk about well let's let's wait for free agency let's get somebody in free agency it's like we've discussed this before it's like yes there are players we can go after in free agency that are awesome that i love that would be perfect for this team and that would push the Jazz over the top. But they're not coming to Utah. At least, not likely. And I mostly say that because I don't think they're leaving their respective franchises. So, like, Tobias Harris. Yeah, Tobias Harris, Chris Middleton, Clay Thompson. Top three on my list that would be, like, in Utah's range to be able to draw here. Because you've also got, I think, Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard and... I think somebody else that I'm forgetting as far... I think Jimmy Butler is he on that list too, I think. Um, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So those are your Tier A stars, Tier 1 stars. They're not coming to Utah because they're, you know, I want to go to big market. And then there's our kind of Tier 2 stars that, you know, we can use as a third star because you've already got Donovan Mitchell who's on track to be one of those Tier 1 stars. So we're already good there. you got Rudy Gobert who is a spectacular piece who... You know, he might not. He's the only reason he's not a tier one star is because he's a center, and centers typically aren't those top tier stars. Um, but he has almost the same impact as one in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, you look at Tobias Harris, Chris Middleton, and um, I've already forgotten the third name on that list. Uh, Clay Thompson. You know, why is Clay leaving Golden State? Like, why on earth? There's no reason for him to leave there. He's gonna get paid fine, and he's gonna win championships until all of them like die. Just that's just the way it's gonna be. Mm-hmm. Chris Middleton is playing with an MVP caliber player in Giannis Antetokounmpo. 
and Tobias Harris is in a pretty decent place in L.A. who might end up attracting stars. Why are any of those players leaving? If they were leaving, I'd say the Jazz could probably bring one of those guys in. But I don't see any of them leaving, so the odds that Utah grabs them is really, really low. And, and I don't want to put all my chips in this one basket for a really low probability. Yeah, no, I mean I'm I'm with you there. So yeah, um, I had something I was gonna say. Um, so yeah, with with Mike Conley, I think uh, if you're trading for him, the that the Jazz would have to add in something other than Ricky Rubio. I don't know what Memphis would want outside of you know because there's there's Ricky Rubio and you have to add somebody else if you add in Dante Exum, the trade works. Um, if you add in Derek Favors, it also works. Probably anybody in the eight to nine million range or above. Let's see. I'm gonna see if Tabo and Ricky works. Now, uh, if you put in Tabo, you'd have to add in somebody else. Got my trade machine in front of me right here, clicking away. A fan's favorite thing right before the uh, <laughs> the trade deadline. So, well, what what about like adding Niang? Uh, I don't know if they're no. I, maybe. Because I honestly, see. I don't, I honestly don't, I honestly don't see Dennis Lindsay getting rid of Exum. He he might, and I don't know. He's too high yeah. on him. He's too high on him. He yeah, he but, loves Dante. Yeah, but Quinn doesn't. That that's the thing is maybe Quinn will just say, "Look, I'm not going to play him ever," and so Lindsay will just be like, "All right, whatever. I'll I'll get rid of him to make you happy." No, um, I mean, really, do we know that for sure? I mean, come on. I mean, the Houston game, boy, could we have used Dante? Yeah, Houston game, and we don't know that. That's mostly speculation and just personal observation, and other people I've talked to their observations. Um, Yeah, if you're doing Ricky Rubio, adding Tabo and Nyang doesn't work. So I'm thinking it has to be almost at least eight million dollars. Yeah, because Jay's seven million doesn't cut it. Let's just slowly, incrementally build our way up. No, not even eight million. I think it would have to be almost nine million dollars. Yeah. So I'm adding in like several several people here. So let's see. Okay, after Ricky, you have to add $11 million. Jazz have to get rid of another... Well, that doesn't make sense. What about what about Favors? Favors would work. If yeah. Ricky, Ricky and Favors, or are you just saying just Favors? No, Ricky, Ricky and Favors. Yeah, Ricky because and they, Favors. They also, have, they also have Gasol on the block, too. Yeah, well, if we brought in Gasol, too, that would be crazy. But, yeah, if they got no, rid of Mark Gasol, like, then... Not like we get Gasol, just saying that Memphis yeah, but... has Gasol on the block. Yeah, if they get rid of him, they'd, they'd need a backup, yeah. Or, uh, like, a new starting center. Yeah. Um, although, part of Derek Favors value is his, uh, his expiring deal. Because, while it does say two years on there, the second part is a team option or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, and, and it would work. And actually, I think at that point, the Jazz would be sending out more money than they'd be getting in. Because um, they'd be sending out $31 million for this year. They'd be getting back $30 million. Um, but it works because, you know, they're close enough. Well, and, yeah, luxury tax, too. Yeah. And there's too many rules to this thing, which is why the trade machine and other things like it, because there's now two or three different services that do the same thing NBA trade machine does. Some of them do it better. Um, but I use Trade Machine because that's what I know how to do. Mm-hmm. 
Um, although I've also seen offers that include Kyle Anderson. Will the Jazz get Kyle Anderson? Which, actually, I, I kind of like. Um, but I don't think the Grizzlies are willing to part with Kyle Anderson. Because he's a decent player. Yeah, decent player. Piece of shit, but he's a decent player. <laughs> I hate him. You know, as a person, really? I've... Yeah, I just I think I think he's just one of your stereotypical I got everything that I ever wanted and he's one of those players I never foul anybody. What? I didn't do nothing. Puts his hands up more than anybody. I don't like people like that. They act like, yeah. "Oh, yeah, I never foul." Come on. Yeah, neither do I. I never now, Tim Duncan was kind of that way too and every foul he give that incredulous face like, "What? <laughs> what hast I done? I have not fouled no soul alive." Yeah, but with Tim Duncan, it's just funny because he's just like usually so stoic. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's less annoying when he does it because like he does it for a few seconds. And but Chris Paul, he's in the ear of the uh, the referee the whole dang rest of the way down the court. It's like right. I didn't foul him or he fouled me, and why the <laughs> f aren't you calling it? And don't you know who I am? I'm Chris Mother Effin Paul. <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly what Chris Paul sounds like when he does it too. Yeah. <laughs> um all right so that that's about as much as we're getting as far as the trade deadline we've, we've talked about it to death um again the others in the rumors like auto porter the doors c- kind of shut or at least the talks have dried up washington's just asked for too much they're probably asking for like two first round picks and dennis Lindsay's firstborn son and like something else too, like I don't know, Derek Favors and Ricky Rubio, and all those picks and kids and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that's going to happen at all. Even though, like I said last year, I uh, would have kind of preferred that. Um, and then uh, Drew Holiday, who is apparently not available, who I'm not sure why. If I were the Pelicans, I'd have traded him already, probably or be working on it very much so um, for reasons I won't really get into because this is a jazz podcast, but let's see who's the last one. Tobias Harris. I don't know. That rumor came out from, I think it was like hoop central who did it, who I saw the, uh, um, the rumor from, I don't know if it was them who like reported it as a first source or first media outlet to report it. But, from what I've heard from other guys like jazz writers, I, I don't know if it was uh, Andy Larson or Tony Jones just basically said that's not a thing. The jazz aren't going after Tobias Harris as a trade target, although they will probably fairly likely be going after him as a free agent mark, uh, free agent target, depending on how the trade deadline works and cap space and whatnot. So it's Mike Conley or bust, you know, for better or worse, it's Mike Conley or bust. <laughs> right, yeah. You don't get him, then then we're just gonna see this roster for the remainder of the year. Basically, yep. unless unless there's a rearranging of the deck chairs kind of trade, um, even on the level of Kyle Korver, or maybe even lower than the level of Kyle Korver, like <laughs> trade Raul Neto and Georges Nang for I don't know some random bench guy. Some marginally better backup point guard. I don't know. Somebody. But yeah. Um, one, one last thing. We'll, we'll wrap up uh, apparently on a negative note. 
and that is Rudy Gobert not making the all-star team, which is perhaps the greatest travesty that I've seen uh, really in, in years as far as awards, at least that I'm aware of. It's like, you know, pretty much most all-star, you know, like all-star selections tend to be really bad. Like they, they don't reward the best players. They reward the popular players who put up stats. It's like LaMarcus Aldridge made the all-star game over Rudy Gobert. Yeah. Which, and David Locke pointed this out, and he straight up was like, spitting fire on the NBA network or NBA TV or whatever that network's called. Mm-hmm. Basically saying, and he called out LaMarcus Aldridge specifically saying that you look at like the advanced stats, LaMarcus Aldridge makes his team worse offensively and defensively when he's on the court based on like his offensive and defensive ratings, I believe. It's like, well, the guy puts up 21 and 12, I think, or maybe 21 and 10 or something like that. So he gets in, and he's also got like four or five other all-star selections. So, of course, it was like when, um, I always use this as an example, and I need to actually make sure it's a true example. Um, but I think that there was a center who played for, who was a center for, um, this is football, a center with Peyton Manning. It was uh, Jeff Satter, that's his name. He made the Pro Bowl years after he'd stopped being good, because he was like 39, and he was like, I think he was only sometimes starting. But because he was the one center that all the fans knew who he was and that he was a good center, that's who they chose until Jeff Saturday retired. He made the Pro Bowl like every year of his entire career because nobody knows who offensive linemen are, so they picked Jeff Saturday every time. And they also picked Joe Thomas. Um, so, but like... And the dumbest argument that I've seen is people will say, like, well, it's good to reward veteran players for, like, you know, it's kind of like a legacy pick. Well, it's like, that's bull crap. And, like, there's another thing when uh, Adam Silver tacks on Dwayne Wade and Dirk Nowitzki under the All-Star game. Like, I have the power to put on two more All-Stars this game. I'm not going to pick the guy who was snubbed so hard it's embarrassing to the league. I want to pick Dwayne Wade and Dirk Nowitzki, even though neither of them are truly, really elite at all or worthy of all-star consideration. But not because, anymore, anyways. Yeah, not anymore. They are obviously both Hall of Famers, spectacular, deserve all the accolades they've gotten, except for this one. Yeah. And it's almost worse than Kobe Bryant's last all-star selection, which if he were still in the league, he'd still be getting selected to the all-star game. Uh, but... You know, it's again, it's just a travesty because Rudy Gobert, he is an elite player who has an elite impact. And people, because he averages 14 and 12, it's like, oh, he's a okay. He's a good defender, defensive player of the year, but he's only okay. And yeah. it's just, you know, people not understanding that as it's fans, it's. It's frustrating. No, it really is. It's it's a, it's a broken system. I mean, the 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 fan vote. I I've talked about this before on an episode. Like the fan vote is entirely broken. It is a popularity contest. It's who's the most recognizable face that we know of. Um, I mean, even Derrick Rose was up there in terms of getting the votes. And why was Derrick Rose up there? Because all of a sudden he became relevant again. 
all of a sudden ESPN was talking about him because he had that like 50 point game against the Utah Jazz. Everyone's like, oh my God, Derrick Rose is good again. You know, people are voting for him all of a sudden. Needless to say, the stuff with Derrick Rose, I mean, this is completely like kind of off subject here, but the stuff with Derrick Rose that he had in his legal battles has still not been settled. Um, whoever it was, I think they settled out of court or whatever. So, I mean, that's still up in the air. So the, the verdict is still yet to be drawn that he is even a good person because <laughs> he's not going to admit to it. But like, you know, everyone knows who Steph Curry is. Everyone knows who LeBron James is. Everyone knows who Giannis Antetokounmpo is now. I mean, everyone knows who Kevin Durant is, Clay Thompson. They're always going to be in the All-Star game. That's just the way it is. But the fact that the coaches didn't vote Rudy Gobert in. That's what is just uh, it, insane to me. Because coaches, especially in the West in the West Coast, the Western Conference, they know the impact that they that he has against the teams that like he coaches against. Like they have to deal with him. Like how do you not I mean Tom Thibodeau isn't in the NBA anymore. He was fired. But even him last season was like, he is a defense among himself and we have to always compensate for what he is because he can, him in the paint alone is that detrimental to what we can do. Like the, the advanced stats, like, and I'm glad that you brought it up because David Locke, I, I love that segment. I know you don't really like David Locke all that much, but I mean, <laughs> he went to bat and to, for this team and for Rudy Gobert because they, you know, it is a travesty that Rudy didn't get in. There is no reason that why he shouldn't get in there other than the fact that the coaches just dropped the ball on this one wholeheartedly. And then and, and I like that, um, and I know probably a lot of people are going to give um, the Jazz Brass a lot of crap for this, but like they're wanting to propose an idea to Commissioner Silver to kind of overhaul the all-star selection process. And like, what is it they want to do? Like, they want to take into uh, regular and advanced stats while factoring in the team's record and the player's character. And it wants they want to make it a committee, a committee, not head coaches, to pick them. I don't know who they mean by this committee, but at the end of the day, yeah, it should be about advanced stats, and it should also be into account the team's record. I'm pretty sure only some of them are in the All-Star game that are on not a great winning team, but I, I don't know without looking it up. Well, see, Carl Anthony Towns is on a team that's, like, not going to make the playoffs, but because sure. he puts up 22-12, and 12, despite the fact that he's, at times, a negative impact defensively, if right. not all the time a negative Im- impact defensively, you know, spectacular offensive talent, but it's because you can find Carl Anthony Towns highlight reels of him doing spin moves and dunking over somebody. Rudy Gobert, the only time he scores on offensive rebound, and granted he dunks a lot, which you know, maybe that should be enough to get him in because he's gonna. If he were in the All Star game, he'd get a bunch of alley oop dunks from LeBron and all the other guys who pass, and or depending on if he's on LeBron's team or whatnot. <laughs> right, and I mean, God forbid we have defense in the damn All Star game. Like, are you kidding me? Rudy Gobert would just be like, "Oh, I'm gonna block all this crap. Get it out of here," you know. Like, I just it would be fun. I don't, I don't get it. Is he's he's not someone you want to watch play offense. I really think that's what it came down to. It's just like he can't really shoot, and he's not gonna drain a three because unfortunately that's where the league is right now. If you're not a stretch five, you're just kind of meh. But look at Rudy. I mean, he's thriving in the the um, what's the word I'm looking for? The traditional center role. Yeah. Well, even then, like, and I get that thing where that's maybe where the coaches were thinking, where, like, you know, Rudy Gobert deserves it, but 
we want to make something exciting for the fans. But, you know, instead of watching Rudy Gobert dunk the ball off an alley-oop from uh, Russell Westbrook, let's watch the glory of LaMarcus Aldridge and his turnaround fadeaway mid-range shots. That's what we want to see in the All-Star game. Yeah, yeah give, me, give, me a, give me a break on that. So, yeah, and, and that is just the biggest thing. It's, again, that, that the coaches decided that Rudy Gobert wasn't better than Carl Anthony Towns and especially LaMarcus Aldridge. This, yeah, it's like because your offensive game plan revolves around taking Rudy Gobert out of the defense, moving him out of the paint, finding a way to put him in a position where he can't go for a, a contest or a block. Like almost every play when he's on the court revolves around accomplishing one of those things to get him out of the way or just taking a three or somehow shooting a floater over him or a layup or something. Yeah, he's he's he is a part of uh, the other team's game plan every single night. And even on the offensive end, he's part of their game plan. Like for defense, when they're playing defense, like and I, I've used this example all all the time. Where a couple of years ago, Brad Stevens, his his game plan revolved around removing Rudy Gobert on the offensive end, mm-hmm. negating the impact he had there, and the Celtics won that game pretty handily. So, but I don't, I don't know. Do Eastern Conference do like all of them vote on the All Stars, or is it just the West coaches? As far as I know, the co- the coaches in that conference vote. Okay, so yeah, it's them. And you can't and you can't vote for your own guy. Yeah, well, I mean, Luke Walton is a head coach in the West, so I don't know. <laughs> How does he still have a job? <laughs> because LeBron hasn't said I want him fired yet. Right. Yeah, that's like, true. That's the true. second that happens, <laughs> yeah. the headline the headlines will read Luke Walton fired. Yep. And that that's that. All right. Um, well, we're gonna go ahead and uh, cut this discussion uh, short, or I guess cut it. You know, just stop because I don't know we we've reached most of uh, what we're gonna talk about, short of a trade actually happening. And this podcast does have a history of posting things on the days where things happen. Uh, If you remember, I think we posted our podcast the day of or the day before Jay Crowder was traded for the day or day before. I think I might have posted our podcast the day that Kyle Korver got traded for um, and other things I'm pretty sure have happened. Um, Just like this, this, this podcast has a history of posting things where we discuss about things maybe happening and then things happen that should get discussed about and we have to wait for like a week. Um, so we'll see. I'm going to make one last check to see if Mike Conley has been traded for by the Jazz or by the Pistons. All right. Um, I don't see anything. Yeah, I just checked too. I don't see anything either. Um, how many days do we have left? Uh, Thursday, I believe the 7th. Yep, Thursday the 7th at... 10 p.m. Mountain Time, 12 Eastern, I believe, is the end of the trade deadline. I think midnight, you know, or 11.59 Eastern Time is the official end of the trade deadline. So, wait, like 12, like mo- that morning or like 12 o'clock, like Friday morning? It, it'd be the Friday morning. So, when it hits 12 okay. Friday morning in the East, the deadline is passed. Okay. So 11.59 and 59 seconds, it's still there. And then it hits 12, becomes Friday on the East Coast. It's done. So Hmm. it'd be 10 o'clock here, 9 o'clock for everyone on the West Coast. Well, 
I believe. I don't quote me on that, but I'm like pretty like 95% sure that's how how it works. Well, or maybe we'll it's see. in the af- or maybe it's in the afternoon. I don't know. Now, I would I would imagine sure. it would end in the evening. Yeah. Well, I'm going to look it up. That'll be the last thing we we talk about here. Trade <laughs> deadline time. Okay, it's actually 3 p.m. Eastern time, so I was oh. definitely definitely wrong. Yeah, way off. Most definitely wrong by about 8 hours. Uh 12 hours, maybe? No, like nine <laughs> hours. I can't do math now. We really need to end this because not only can I not get the time right for the trade deadline, I can't do the math to figure out how much I was off by. All right, yeah, so 3 p.m. It's okay. My meds my meds kicked in. That's when I trailed off there. <laughs> I was trying to make that point. I'm embarrassed. No, it happens to the best of us. Yeah. Uh, and, and unfortunately, we are not the best of us, so... All right, so 1 p.m. Eastern Time Thursday is the deadline. Something has to happen by. We'll see. We may or may not do a podcast early or, I don't know, we'll see what happens. But thank you so much for listening once again. I'm Jason Walker, joined by the uh, drugged-up Trey Sanders, uh, who had an admirable performance despite being on meds. Uh, I felt like it was a pretty good podcast. But uh, we'll, we'll talk to you guys next week. We'll see if something happened. All right, talk to you next week. 